The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome, everybody, back to winningponies.com for another weekly show. We're going to have some fun tonight. Uh, my final guest is the man that used to host this show, the one, the only, Ed Meyer. Uh, we're going to handicap some races, but then at the end, Ed and I are going to slip presents under the tree. And if we have to, we may drop a lump of coal in a stocking or two. Uh, what we're going to do is kind of celebrate some of the top things uh, that happened in racing this year and some of the people that uh, deserve the awards for, for what they did. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, before we uh, get to the handicapping portion, uh, we have on it as a guest Claire Novak. Uh, she's thought to be one of Thoroughbred's most recognizable writers. Uh, she's an award-winning writer. Uh, she just got back from a trip to Panama, taking in the racing down there. Uh, we'll uh, go over her bio a little bit when we introduce her. Again, Claire Novak will be our first guest, and my friend Steady Eddie Meyer will be our second. Well, uh, once again, I'm going to have to start the show off with uh, some news I didn't want to. If you've ever been on the backstretch of River Downs, you've undoubtedly met Buck Wheat. His real name was Julian Logan Buck Wheat. Uh, he was the Churchill Downs Director of Horseman's Relation, and everybody pretty much knew him as the mayor of the backside. Uh, if a TV station showed up or a writer showed up and they needed to know uh, where to go, how to get there, what time uh, the principals would be there, Buck would make sure that you got it done. Uh, he was a good man to slap on the back and uh, did his job with a smile uh, and a been there for more than 60 years. Well, sad to say, he uh, he he fell down and hit his head uh, earlier this week uh, on Tuesday, and uh, whatever happened, uh, Buck uh, died uh, yesterday afternoon uh, from complications of that injury. So uh, Buck Wheat no longer uh, with us um, again. He was just one of the legends of the game. There are there aren't that many guys anymore. First of all, that's stay at a job for more than 60 years. Uh, it was something that uh, that he absolutely loved. Um, everybody just knew him as Buck, Buck Wheat. And a lot of people say, come on, that's not really his name. It's like, yeah, it is. Uh, he started out a, a, as an usher, Churchill Downs, back when he was 16 years old. Uh, his father was a trainer. He tried that for a couple of years, but then he found it was probably a little bit easier and a steadier paycheck to be the director of the Horseman's Relations at Churchill Downs. That started in the mid-'80s. And, uh, again, he'd be the initial person there for owners, trainers, uh, the press, media, anybody. And he, he got it done. He just worked, uh, you know, 18-hour days, uh, particularly around the Breeders' Cup, Kentucky Derby, uh, and the, the Kentucky Oaks. So uh, that's going to impact a lot of people at this historic track. Again, uh, we have lost the mayor of the backside, Julian Buckwheat. Uh, services will be after uh, the, the Christmas uh, period. Um, you know, I don't want to talk about people after they're gone, so I'm going to talk about one that uh, is a personal friend of mine that's, that's known internationally, and uh, his name is Tony Leonard. 
If you've ever looked at any of the great photos over the years from the Thoroughbred Record right up to the Thoroughbred Times and the Blood Horse, uh, you've seen uh, Tony's photographic work. He, he's an international award-winning photographer and one of the nicest all-around guys you'll ever meet. Uh, Tony was always happy to take young photographers under his arm and kind of show them the ins and outs. But more than anything, he was just one of the most pleasurable people to be around. Well, uh Tony and his wife have had some health problems. I don't know. You can find out from their Facebook site uh, some of the things they've been through. Uh, and I want to tell you about their Facebook site. It's called Support Tony Leonard and the Protection of His Legacy. We want to make sure that all of his negatives, he's very famous for uh, for Secretariat, and he was the chronicled Secretariat better than anyone. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's responsible for saving Secretariat's life when, as they were going through a small alley on Derby Week, Tony fell into a manhole cover that would have had Secretariat step in it had not Tony been in front of Big Red. Anyhow, um, if you're a Facebook friend, go to support Tony Leonard and the protection of his legacy, and up there you'll see the address uh, where where he and his wife Adele are. They would love to get a card or a shout-out. I believe he's got over 1,600 friends. Tony now in his 90s. We, I still get a chance to go down and visit him when I'm in the Lexington area. Uh, he's still got that glint in his eye. So uh, before we lose another great legend like Buckwheat, Tony Leonard's still with us. He'd love to hear from you. Again, if you go to support Tony Leonard and the protection of his legacy, uh, you'll see the address there where you could maybe drop him a Christmas card. That would be nice. Uh, well, uh, we uh, closed out the Hollywood Park last week, and uh, good news, up 13%. We're starting to hear this from some different tracks. We're starting to see uh, uh, field size uh, go up a little bit, and it did go up at, at Hollywood Park, too. Uh, so uh, we love reading good news coming out of racing. So uh, some more along those lines. We're going to have our first ever uh, female host at the Eclipse Awards and uh, couldn't happen to a, a nicer lady, uh, Janine Edwards, uh, a filly with the best blue eyes you ever saw. She's a senior broadcast analyst for ESPN. Uh, she'll be the first female to host the Eclipse Awards, which are going to be January 16th at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel in Beverly Hills. Uh, of course, they're presented by the Breeders' Cup and the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, Janine has been consistently named as one of the top ten female sportscasters by several media outlets. That's uh, Sports Illustrated, named her best broadcaster in horse racing in 2004 and number one broadcaster on television for October in 2007. She's from New Jersey, and uh, she started out uh, as an exercise rider. She was an apprentice jockey for a while and a trainer in New York uh, before becoming the in-house TV uh, host at racetracks uh, in Maryland in 1994. And, of course, you'll see her regularly on ESPN. She's even been a uh, sideline reporter. Uh, she's reported uh, not only for ESPN but ABC News, Good Morning America. And uh, congratulations to Janine and all the press releases. She, they failed to mention that she probably carries the most beautiful pair of blue eyes I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'll tell you what, we're talking about Christmas time, and uh, it looks like the New York betters are going to get a Christmas gift uh, by default. Uh, file this one under, oops, it was only $8.6 million. Uh, Naira will be required to pay back betters about $8.6 million after state officials discover that Naira kept an extra percentage point on several exotic bets over a year ago, the past 15 months, uh, according to the Albany Times Union. 
uh, state officials said that uh, Naira was supposed to lower the takeout on the exotic bets in question, including the pick six, the pick three, the pick four, tries, and supers, uh, starting back September 15th in 2010. So I believe that they're, they're going to try to make that up, uh, and uh, they're going to be lowering the exotics to try to give you uh, some of your money back that you weren't getting back uh, uh, off the Naira program, and uh, it's uh, going to happen immediately uh, for the customers. With the approved changes, Naira's takeout menu will be 15% on the pick six, 16% win, place, and show, 18.5 an exacta Quinella daily double, and 24% on the trifecta super grand slam pick three, pick four, pick six. So you're going to get a little better bang for your buck till they make up $8.6 million uh, in, in New York for the betters. Um, some more good news uh, coming out of the Big Apple, where uh, Gretchen and Roy Jackson have donated 150000 to the Belmont Child Care Association. Um, well, $100,000 for the Leo Stable Fund, which should be used to provide early childhood education for the children of the backstretch workers at Belmont and Aqueduct, and the other is 50000 for the general fund as needed. So hats off to Gretchen and Roy uh, Jackson. Uh, down at Colonial Downs, it looks like uh, they're going to be putting in the lights. Uh, they've uh, learned uh, from some of the success we've seen, certainly at Churchill Downs over the past two seasons, that that's the way to go. They're moving some of the lights away from the main track, and they're going to be covering the mile on a turf course, and uh, so you're going to probably look for uh, some post positions to be changed down at Colonial Downs. Uh, they've already had a good increase last season, a 20% in average daily attendance. Uh, they had the record crowd for the Virginia Derby, so uh, look for some changes at Colonial Downs uh, in the, in the season ahead, and I think that's going to a lot of people are going to enjoy that. Last week we had Frank Anks from the Thoroughbred Times on with us, and uh, we did some handicapping coast to coast. Let's take a look. Of course, the richest race that we looked at uh, was the Cash Call Futurity, and uh, we, I mentioned one of my favorite angles, the Killer Bees, Rafael Bayarano and Bob Baffert. They put it together, and liaison, who's coming out of a win in the Real Quiet Stakes. Uh, got the job done in the cash call. Uh, right now, uh, Baffert, he just owns this race. Uh, this is the sixth time he's won it, the third time in four years. Recently, he's won it with Pioneer of the Nile and looking at Lucky. And uh, looks like we might have a, a, a new rivalry brewing because it was a rousing sermon at 13-1 to 1 with a huge finish. He was wide, he was too late, but I'll tell you what, this horse really looked good. It's a cow bread, he'll make a lot of money out there, but he looked awful good. Again, these are two-year-olds, you might see these horses next year on the Derby Trail. Certainly, Liaison's punched his ticket with a grade one win. On the bottom, another horse that looked very, very strong, his name was Brother Francis, horse that just missed in the grade three Hollywood preview. Uh, the next race that Frank and I looked at, uh, we went way down yonder to New Orleans for the Bonapaw, uh, about five and a half on the turf, and we said this was a, a very bettable race, and uh, our question was, in here, three to one was Chamberlain Bridge, I mean, a horse that's won over 1.6 million, uh, but he's kind of been tailing off, seven starts this year, only had one win, well, he loves the fairgrounds, and he loves the sprint distance, five and a half on the weeds, got the job done, and he'd 840 with Jamie Terrio 
in the saddle. So Chamberlain Bridge, he's not done yet. Seven-year-old gelding, he'll be eight-year-old on New Year's Day. Uh, then we're, we went uh, back to Gulfstream, and uh, we uh, went to the Harlan's Holiday, a race named after one of my favorite horses of all time. The Harlan's Holiday, the reason we picked this race was because of some of the interesting contenders, and sad to say, we lost one of them. Boys at Toscanova, uh, Dick Dutro uh, decided to scratch Boys at Toscanova, but maybe he knew something, because in the race he had the undefeated four-year-old Trickmeister. Trickmeister was bet down to odds on and now remains undefeated in five starts. Went wire to wire. Now, this was coming off, has not raced since uh, the Pleasant Colony at Saratoga. Uh, and Trickmeister, I'm assuming because he hasn't won anything graded yet, he's probably going to race as a five-year-old. So this should be very interesting to watch him as, as a handicap horse as we enter into 2012. Again, undefeated Trickmeister over our dark knight, who surprisingly ran behind Trickmeister in that Pleasant Colony stakes. Uh, our dark knight, a horse for course, five starts at Gulfstream Park. He's trained by Nick Zito. He's got two wins and a second there. And uh, rallying for the third spot uh, was number seven, Sky Venture. Hope you had him on the bottom of your tries. 34 to 1. And then we decided to stick around Gulfstream for the following day because we picked up a $100,000 race for two-year-olds, the Dania Beach. Again, these are Colts, so any one of these horses could be on the Derby Trail. Now, this race, not graded, so this horse is going to have to make up some more money. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, sent away at 4 to 1, Christopher Clement trains Summer Front who is now undefeated as a two-year-old. Ramon Dominguez taking the red eye from California from the cash call to ride summer front. Uh, stumbled badly at the start, if you see this, and then he just kind of stalked the pace. He rallied at the 16th pole. He took over, and he held the favorite finale sway. No excuses for finale. He was a little bit wide. He was just out finished. He wasn't going to catch it. Uh, of course, finale coming out of the uh, Breeders' Cup uh, turf, uh, he was the favorite, and uh, another horse that kind of figured in here that came out of the Breeders' Cup turf, uh, Escaper, um, got up for the third spot. So, Summer Front, remember that name. It's going to be a horse to watch next year. I'm already getting pumped up about the Triple Crown Trail. we got good two-year-olds all over the country. Well, coming up next, we're going to get a chance to talk to Claire Novak here on WinningPonies.com. So, don't you dare go away. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you the revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management. 
you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, we're coming up on our guest segment of the show, and this is going to be uh, very interesting uh, for me. And I think we're going to learn a lot about uh, a young woman by the name of Claire Novak. Uh, she has many, many accolades. Uh, she's written for the New York Times, ESPN the Magazine, ESPN.com, uh, the, uh, the n- newspaper in Albany, the Times Union. Uh, you can uh, see her writing everywhere. Uh, she's a member of the Association of Women in Sports Media, the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters, uh, the Lexington Young Professionals. Well, let's not waste our time with our accolades. Let's start talking to her. Claire Novak, how are you? I'm good, John. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to. Just want to tell everybody, I, you know, I, I met you a couple of years ago um, up in the press box at Keeneland and down in the paddock at Keeneland, and uh, there's not many races I go to that are big that I, that I don't that I don't see you covering, and you always seem to be covering it with 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 nice vim and vigor. Uh, I, I think a little bit of your youth shows, and that's a good thing because you still got the energy that some of us old codgers don't have. Claire, uh, tell us what was your entrance into racing, and uh, you know how, how did you get into it as a professional well i always loved racing i was always a fan of it growing up as a kid and um, my dad used to bring home the newspaper you know any horse racing articles for me he'd let me read them and so i just kind of grew up as a fan and then when i read the black stallion series which i know it sounds funny but um no. You know, in those in those books, Walter Farley, who was a great writer and a Columbia University graduate, uh, he wrote about the, you know the turf riders and the blood horse, and and the turf riders always seem to have this glamorous existence that I now know is not exactly true. But maybe <laughs> it was back then in the forties. I know they used to travel a lot by train, and you know go to different places to cover the races and so I kind of became enamored with this idea of you know covering horse racing and getting to go to all these places and write about horses and I've always ridden horses and loved horses growing up so that's kind of how I got into it and uh, just I was telling Jim Gluckson from the Breeders' Cup the other day sometimes and it's becoming a little bit rarer but sometimes I just have that moment of you know the horse crazy kid in me pops up and says, I can't believe this is my life and this is my job. So I do still have a little bit of that enthusiasm and appreciation for all the opportunities that I've had. Well, that's great. And it comes across in your writing and it comes across just in observing you do your job. Now, when you first got into it professionally, what was your first, let's say, paid job in journalism? My first paid job in racing journalism was an article about Rafael Bejarano's broken ankle. I believe it was 
I know it was 2005. I think it was like August 13th, August 16th, something like that, uh, published in the Blood Horse. And that had happened just right place, right time type of situation. I had the information. I called the Blood Horse, and I said, do you want an article on uh, Rafael Bejarano's broken ankle? And they said, sure, and it went on from there. Well, that's great. Everybody gets into it one way, and you got into it writing a story about perhaps one of my favorite riders of all time. Of course, he started out in my backyard at uh, Little Old River Downs the first summer uh, he rode here. Now, um, in your uh, in your covering of racing, um, have you found a place that uh, that that you feel is is your favorite, or you've got your your best comfort zone? Well, I could never spend a year without spending my summer in Saratoga. I've been there for the past six years, um, so next year will be my seventh year there. And um, that's just one of those places where it's become so much a part of my life and part of my routine uh, that, you know, I don't really think I could imagine not going there. I love Saratoga. I love the coverage that I get to do there. Um, I like writing on deadlines for the newspaper, which is basically one of the only times that I get to do that. And um, that's really just, like I said, you know, a part of my life now and always will be and I'll always have a soft spot in my heart there. And it's really funny if you get to spend time at Saratoga on a regular basis, you kind of realize that every year when you come back, um, you know, it just it makes you very reflective on a yearly basis of, you know, what you've accomplished and the things that you learned in life and, um you know, another year older, another year wiser type of thing, and then you look back at all the great horses that ran there and the great races that you got to see and the anticipation of racing coming up there. It's just a, a really magical place, and I always love to spend my time there. Well, you don't have to sell me. I grew up as a little kid running bets for my brother Bob up there, who was a white ho- a white cap in the clubhouse. So, <laughs> love it. It, it, it does. It, it, it gets into your fabric. And a, a town that kind of reminds me a little bit of it is is Hot Springs, in that when they're having their meet at Saratoga or Hot Springs, the whole town embraces uh, the racetrack and the people that that uh, not only race there, but the fans that come to see the sport. It's a really magical thing that somebody has to experience. It is, yeah. I really, I've been to Hot Springs once, and hopefully, I get the chance to go back. But you're right, the uh, the attitude there is just different, even compared to you know they call Kentucky the horse capital of the world. But I think that one of the reasons that it works so well in Saratoga is because the racetrack literally is, you know, you walk three blocks and you're in the center of town. Not even, you know. So it's a very much a a laid back summer type of place to be and. uh Hot Springs is, you know, it has its differences from Saratoga, but the people there do love racing a lot. I think that's probably because, you know, it's a very active retirement community, and I think a lot of the people there grew up with more of an appreciation for racing as a mainstream type of sport than people my age. Well, the sport of racing is a very fertile ground uh, for a good writer, and it never hurts to go check out uh, an, another area. And you recently made a trip down to Panama. Uh, can you uh, kind of paint with a broad brush uh, the, the, the feel for, for horse racing in Panama and maybe share some stories with us? Yeah, it was a really great opportunity, um, which came my way through David Vance, uh, the racing manager for Candy and Eddie DeBartolo, not the trainer, David Vance. But uh, David was 
has done a lot of consulting in South America, and he was kind enough, uh, and also in Central America, and he was kind enough to invite me and um, Deirdre Biles from the Blood Horse to go there and cover the uh, Classico de Caribe, which is a series, it's a race for three-year-olds that goes from uh, country to country, so kind of like the Breeders' Cup where it moves around from year to year. This race goes from country to country every year. So this year it was in Panama. And uh, it was just a really neat experience. It was a, a different uh, appreciation for racing than I've seen before. And um, I just so many experiences. It's just the people there are so warm and welcoming and wonderful. And they really love their horses and the history um, around the track. So it was a great experience, and I think I'll go back again. Well, what, what struck me uh, on your Facebook page was uh, a photo you took of a tablet that had etched into it all of the famous riders that came out of Panama. It really was a who's who of American racing. Yeah, and that's one of the things that they're very proud of there is that um, Panama, as they say, is the cradle of the best jockeys in the world. And um, the jockey school there, it was really neat to get to visit that and write about that. And uh, if your listeners get a chance, check out that article. It's on ESPN.com, and it's called um, Jockey School Changes Lives. And the kids who go in there who start at 15, um, the majority of them, I think the principal said about 80%, are um, either extremely poor or have backgrounds that involve crime or gang violence or things like that. And they come into the school and literally view becoming a jockey as an opportunity to better themselves and their chance at having a good life. And so when you understand that and you stand there and talk to a kid who's, you know, 17 years old now, and that whole graduating class, there are 15 kids in the 2011 graduating class, every single one of them, 100%, all of them, wanted to come to America and have riding careers here, um, you know, as their chance at a better life. And it was just really um, interesting. It brought it home to me how, you know, when these guys come, to what they consider still to be the land of opportunity. And you have riders like Alex Solis and Cornelio Velasquez and, of course, Lafitte Pinquet, um, Jr., whose school is named after. And, you know, even guys like Eddie Castro and Jose Lascano. It's just a, it's a big list of riders. Um, Jacinto Vasquez, uh, Manny Icaza, Braulio Beza, a bunch of guys who came out of this country. And uh, so the, the legacy is really strong, and the young riders there definitely appreciate that. I, know, I mean, you, you mentioned, too, we talked about Saratoga and growing up. I mean, uh, Braulio Baeza and Emmanuel Yacaza were just like two of my favorites up at Saratoga. And you know what's funny is they, they really exuded class, those guys. Now, I'm not saying they weren't afraid to do a little rough riding, but uh, once they got off the horse, they're very classy people, and I believe uh, Manny Yacaza went back and worked for Panama uh, as a diplomat at one point in his career. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Yeah, and actually I did a piece on him. It's another one that's on ESPN. All these pieces from Panama ran on ESPN in a package. And I had written a feature on him a couple of years ago that ran on the Kentucky Derby website, and the ESPN site was able to reuse it and run it in this package. And that was one of the big things that struck me when I interviewed him was how much of a class act and a gentleman he was. And it was just an honor to get to interview him. Um, uh 
a couple of years ago, I learned a really good lesson because people have been telling me, oh, you should interview Bill Hartack, you should interview Bill Hartack, and, you know, he's such a great character, and he has such an interesting backstory, and I'd read so much about him from, you know, historical clips and things like that, and I was going to set up an interview with him, and I kept putting it off just because I had more important things to do, and literally the week that I was planning on calling him was when he passed away. And so ever since then, I've, you know, whenever I get the chance to interview one of these older figures in racing, whatever it is, um, you know, we still have a lot of guys who have seen a lot of things. I, you know, think of the chief, for instance, and, you know, he's still around. And so anybody who has a chance to interview him or get to spend time with him, like, you know, you can't replicate that. I mean, once it's gone, it's gone and that's it. So talking to Manny, that was just a, like I said, a great honor. And then, um, what a nice guy. And he, you know, anything you need, you just let me know. And thank you so much for being interested in my story is what he said. <laughs> One of the first pictures I ever took with my little brownie camera was of Manny Yakaza. I know my brother blew it up it. to a five by seven. That was a huge honor for me because uh, he wasn't an easy guy to please. Uh, let me leave you w- with, the, with these words here. Journalists, I think, more than other people, seem to crystallize moments in time. To etch those memories deep into our souls, we never know what experiences we might want to draw upon. And so we internalize and everything, the good and the bad, becomes a part of who we are. That was written by Claire Novak. Beautiful words, Claire. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I just, you know, how I feel. And um, if you had told me, you know, when I was... 10 years old that this would be my life and I think of this great picture that Rick Samuels took of me and Bob Baffert every year for the Breeders' Cup Notes team. Bob's horses are uh, my responsibility to cover and that's been for the past three years now and will continue down the road I'm sure as long as I work for the Breeders' Cup um, for their notes team every season and just looking at that picture you couldn't I, I never would have thought you know, as a 10- and 12-year-old, when I was watching Bob win all these Triple Crown races and kind of his rise to fame and all of that, and this outrageous guy on TV with the white hair and all the witticisms, and, you know, that it would be my job every day for the whole Breeders' Cup week to check in with them, or, you know, that I would have a rapport with somebody like that and, you know, be able to text him and say, hey, what's going on with this horse? What's going on with that horse? I mean, I definitely have put a lot of my heart and soul into what I do for racing and I work really, really hard, but I'm also very thankful for everything that I've been given and for all the great people and editors who have supported me along the way. Well, we're thankful that you're a part of Thoroughbred Racing, and as young as you are, you're going to be around for a long, long time. want to ask uh, all of our listeners from winningponies.com, you heard it, ESPN.com, Claire Novak. Get a hold of his articles. You won't be disappointed. Claire, thanks so much for being on winningponies.com with us tonight. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. You have a Merry Christmas. All right. We'll see you in the press box or on the backstretch somewhere. All right. Coming up next, one of my favorite people in the world, the one, the only, the man I admire, Ed Meyer, will be with us. So hold on. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Ed's picks and then our first annual Christmas party on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What does building a family mean to you? 
Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to The Freddie Scott Show, tackling the game of life, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with the other host, and that's right, the man that... that used to uh, guide the Winning Ponies plane through these airwaves of the one, the only, Ed Meyer. Steady Eddie, how you doing? John, I couldn't be better, and thanks for having me on as a guest. Oh, man, well, you know, you, you had me on very often, and, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of like a left and right shoe, and we, we stay in step very well. Uh, how the holidays uh, coming to you and uh, that young little whippersnapper you live with? Well, Christmas is coming along great in the Meyer household, and that young little whippersnapper, uh, he's a man now, John, so I guess, uh, I guess that pony in the backyard just isn't going to cut it anymore. <laughs> um, well, listen, we're going to come up, we're going to do, do a couple of races, but I'm just wondering, you know, going back uh, in, in the second segment here, I think we're going to have fun. I think me and you need to go to a Christmas party. Uh, All right. By the way, it's open bar. Oh, I knew you weren't buying. <laughs> That's right. Well, I thought you'd say, well, heck, I thought it was going to be a cash bar and you're going to charge me for the damn beer. <laughs> it's not over yet, John. <laughs> but anyhow, that'll be a fun segment uh, just to kind of cue our listeners up. Ed, Ed and I are going to play Santa Claus, and we're going to, we're going to put gifts under the tree and maybe an occasional lump of coal uh, for some people as how they, they affected the, the, the sport of thoroughbred uh, racing this year. Uh, Ed, stepping back and kind of just looking backwards, not by tipping your, your, your hand uh, of anything we're going to talk about in the second segment, uh, what do you think about this season of racing? As usual, John, it's, it's a, it has its ups and downs. We saw some wonderful, great things. It brought tears to our eye, and then we saw things that uh, makes us draw breath and feels like a black eye. But as usual, it's, it's mixed, and that's, that's, that's thoroughbred racing. That's life. Well, uh, I'll tell you one thing. Um, there's going to be a lot of people pulling the hair out of their head when it's time to vote for Horse of the Year. You know, I've had a lot of different guests on uh, that will be voting, and uh, to a person, they were just like, 
uh, you know, I don't know who I'm going to vote for right now. You know, I'm still going over who beat who, and, you know, it's unbelievable. I don't know if it's ever happened in history before, but do you realize that not one three-year-old repeated in a grade one race? That is incredible. It, looking back, I don't think I would want that, that, that weight of responsibility, which has to be daunting. John, going back and who beat who, is it a matter of the heart? Is it a matter of what's on paper? It, it was exciting. And, and I mean, I actually, I cannot wait this year to see what their final decisions come out to be. Well, you know, we, both of us, I know we, we read and stay up on this stuff, uh, you know, not only in, with the form, but all over the Internet. And, you know, there's just so much debate going on, of course, blogs and people going back and forth with, with their differences. I think it'll be double that when the voting's over because everybody's going to want to state their case. You know what I mean? Agreed. I, I, I think the, the court of public opinion will rule out, and we'll all just put this behind us, and before we know it, we'll be watching the Don Handicap, and it'll be the Holy Bull, the Vinery, and, and, and things will go on as they always do. But, but you know what? Just like a soap opera, I'm still going to tune in. Well, absolutely, and I'll tell you what, uh, just in covering these races over the last couple of weeks, I'm really excited about the two-year-old crop coming up. I mean, we've got some heavy hitters. Uh, we've got rivalries that are already starting. Uh, this derby trail is going to be filled with stories. I was reading something a little earlier this week about Bob Baffert. Uh, uh, can you confirm or deny? Is he, do you think he'll really be that loaded? He is already. Hell, he had three in the cash call. Uh, and, and he won it. Well, <laughs> with I, well, he, he, I believe it's Rafael Bejarano. So, yeah. And, and he, yeah, he's going to have what the problem Fletcher had last year of keeping his horses apart from each other. You know? I mean, uh, Liaison already punched have, his though. ticket. He won, he won a grade one 750000 He's in. Now he's got to get graded earnings for the other one. Well, listen, I'm, I'm looking forward to our Christmas party. So okay. I, what do you say, as a little Christmas present, we attempt at our best to give out a pick three to those people that might be able to get to Gulfstream Park or an outlet that has Gulfstream. Obviously, a lot of places shut her down for uh, Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day, uh, but there will be uh, racing at Gulfstream Park on the 24th, and uh, we're going to try to give them a pick three. Boy, I handicapped this. This is going to be interesting. So we go a couple deep in a race if you want to. Uh, we're going to start with the sixth race that really turned out to be a good race at a, a rare distance, five furlongs on the turf, uh, but you've got uh, horses, several of them, coming out of graded stakes races to come into this race. Now, I've, I've got my notes down here. I, I, I see it setting up for a lesser horse potentially, but the, the one horse that kind of rises to the top for me when you talk about class, and class may win more races than speed, is Holiday for Kitten. I'm interested in seeing who you came up with in this first leg of our pick three. Well, I'm glad to see that I won the Diet Coke bet with myself because you going back such a long way with Wesley Ward training at River Downs before he goes to Ascot, John, Holiday Kitten was, uh, was the for sure one to nine. I knew that, so I had to put him second because I knew you were going to touch on that one. I was split between the two. The other is indulgence, John. That's Six the horse I said does not have the class but has the angle. Yes. And when you said a little cheaper ilk, I said, I might have something here. I love indulgence at six to one. Yeah, now I'm, I'm handicapping without odds. He's six to one? Yes, and that was the best part. Your holiday for kittens, part of a powerhouse entry there. Three to one, Joel Rosario, your, your personal friend, Wesley Ward, fine rider and trainer, and, and a great guy. I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm cut right down the middle. They, they're part of a big box for me. 
Well, I'm guessing I'm guessing he's going to scratch Final Mesa and start Holiday for Kitten. Uh, that that would have been my Ward. guess as well. I when I said entry, I, I saw one in one A, but uh, yes, Rosario's name for both. And I, I think uh, I think uh, Mr. Ward he knows this game pretty well, and he knows Speed's playing good. He was going to have a runner in this race. Well, uh, again, you can tell us uh, the, our listeners that the angle that Indulgence has because this is just a you know race that's uh, it's the only closer the way I see it. In fact, it, you, you hit on it right there. Simplicity in its finest. It's one of the only closers. It's a very nice filly by Macho Uno Solis for Martin Wolfson. Second time off a layoff. And I really like that angle. They put her to bed off of victory at Keeneland uh, on the turf as a, as a big heavy favorite, respected. Dropping from grade three company into allowance angle here. One for two at Gulfstream. In my opinion, I think the race sets up, even though the rail is out 96 feet. Now, that's pretty far from the normal angle, but... I still see indulgence being a major player down the lane. All right. Well, those are the two that come to the top on our ticket. Uh, again, we only got about uh, two minutes to break, Ed, so we'll, uh, we'll try to do this as best we can while still giving the information out. I'm just dying to get to the party. Um, <laughs> the seventh <laughs> race, uh, you could easily have a horse come out of this race that you could see on the first Saturday in May. Oh, I agree completely. And, and, and most of them haven't run yet. But you're looking at horses that that that, that cost you know three hundred and forty thousand, three hundred and twenty thousand, a quarter million dollars. Uh, and, and you've you've got people in here like uh, you know Nick Zito, uh, Todd Pletcher, Mark Cassie, Karen McLaughlin. Did anybody come to the top for you? Because I'm thinking if I'm playing a pick three ticket, I got to go at least four deep here. You hit you hit the right words. It was this is when the excitement happens because this is when we see the babies really start to bloom. I'm going to go with Ragazzi, McLaughlin's horse, Elvis Trujillo in the Irons. John, he loves to deal with babies. He's winning 22 uh, percent with his first clickers, and the dam has two winners, two starters, and two of which are stakes winners. Yeah, and this horse did not cost a dime because it's a homebred of Darley's by Bernardini, who many say is the heir apparent for America's new Stormcat, out of a Mr. Prospector mare. There aren't many of those left, Steady Eddie. <laughs> Just like good friends. Eighth well, race, Mountain I'm, kind of looking at, I'm wondering which Pletcher horse is going to run uh, because he's, he's got this late-night action and he's got Thunder Moccasin. Um, I, I, you know, he, he's got Johnny V named on both of them. So one of them, one of them is going to scratch out. I just think that Thunder Moccasin's a little bit farther along in his trainer. I could be r- wrong. Um, the other horse that I'm looking at down on the rail, Nick Zito, how about, uh, Lescano? He's riding at a 37% clip, and I know you're a stats man. Incredible numbers there. First, the, the Pletcher angle. I think either one can go. They're working. They're working heady, and and they work very well together. And you're right. The, the two entries. This is going to be a neat race to watch. Yeah, you know the one thing. If you go back and look at those works, uh, you know he he's been at Palmettos. Um, they they both work on the same day, but they work different distances. I find that kind of interesting. <laughs> so, Stay away as long as you can. Yeah, well, they only you only got one chance to be a two year old, and you only got a week left. So. If you don't want to fit this condition, you better get out there. All right, that was the seventh. You're going to have to go deep. They're two-year-olds. Now we're actually coming up to a stakes race, a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. You have no less than six horses. Now, again, these are two-year-olds, but these are the girls going a mile and a sixteenth. Six of them are coming out of stakes races. If I told you like a 10-to-1 shot and of the dance, I think you'd probably say I was crazy. Say it away. Luis Saez and Marty Wilson, John, 10-to-1 
and exits the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf for, for the Phillies. Daughter of English Channel, I'm going to get all I can get there. Well, you certainly got the breeding to go the turf at a mile and a 16th. I'm looking again at my ma- my man, Wes Ward. Boy, he traveled with the sisterhood. Went from Saratoga to Rotama Park to win uh, a $75,000 stakes race. It got up. Garcia's going to be back on. You notice that he gave this horse a little bit of rest. Ed, when his horses rest from 61 to 180 days, they win 30% of the time. So, uh, also, this is a turf filly by Kitten's Joy, and what a turf stud he's turned out to be. Oh, in fact, and Mr. Ramsey would be the first one to tell you now, wouldn't he? I, absolutely. The other horse I'm, I'm looking at is uh, is Welcome Dance, a Michael Matz trainee that's never been on anything but the grass. Uh, had an excuse running in the Grade Three Natama, and then came back to, to Churchill on the turf at a mile and just went phew, dusted him. You know, one, one, one as they please. So I'm um, kind of like a Welcome Dance, and uh, I like the the only stalker in here is a Sky High Lady. You know, two year old fillies. There's not a whole lot you're going to do except probably send them. <laughs> Send them in hope, and with, with Anna the dance, I, I'm again dancing mood. I like welcome dance. Uh, I didn't know if you really touched on Mike Matz and Joey Bravo uh, teaming up. Uh, they're they're uh, coming out of the four hole. They're five for your one. Matz is winning twenty five percent quietly. Uh, yeah, he is, and these, these guys have teamed up for all of those. They're at a 25% clip, so they're the new team to watch down there, and certainly my people remember Michael Matz had a real nice grass horse by the name of Barbaro that turned into a nice three-year-old, so we'll see if that happens again. But I'll tell you what, Ed, it's time to uh, get behind the bar, uh, put on our Santa hats, get the presents, and start stuffing them under the tree. We're going to take a little bit of break here on winningponies.com, and then we're coming back for our Christmas party. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Pascal, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time Noon Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. He sees you when he's sleeping. He knows when you're awake. 
He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And for goodness sakes, we're going to find out uh, who has been good and maybe who has been bad. With me again, uh, everyone, uh, Handicapper Deluxe, former host of WinningPonies.com. Ed Meyer is with us. Eddie, in the Christmas mood? I am always in the Christmas mood. I start looking from July on, John, and you know that, uh, hey, if you want a purple suit, turn on the purple light, brother. I'm loving Christmas. Let's do it. Hey, well, we're, we're turning one? on the red light now, now, and obviously uh, neither of us will get uh, probably caught sneaking in the house because they just look up and go, oh, there's that fat man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes with the territory. I'm already scouring the room as we speak. I'm looking for, uh, for, the, for Mrs. Tonight. Well, listen. Okay, the the, the, the tree's up. It, it's it's time time to give some people presents for 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 being good girls and boys. Uh, I'm not sure where you want to start. You may have some categories uh, uh, that 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 I, that I don't have. Um, let's just uh, do, do you have maybe a trainer that you're interested in rewarding or giving a lump of coal to? In fact, I do. First off, all of them for for the for the hard work that they put in, those that actually work and and they toil so much behind the scenes and never have a day off. But my, hands down, in my heart, is Graham Motion. He's class personified, an example to the industry to follow. In the way that he brought Animal Kingdom along was just like watching a symphony. He's a template for what a gentleman trainer looks like, John. He was on my list, and he'll be getting a gift from me, too. But I think I might spend a few more dollars on one of my lads from Ireland. And, you know, most people think about trainers, they think they think about the North American trainers. Well, I'm going to give mine out to Aiden O'Brien. And if you go back and look at the stats of what this guy did this year, as far as him sneaking into North America and starting in graded stakes races, his batting percentage was he was the Albert Pujols of, of trainers. You know, the times he went to bat, the number of times that he knocked it out of the park were just fantastic. And not to mention, uh, not one, but two winners on Breeders' Cup days. Not like they run 100 races that day. And for this guy to come over from uh, Europe and to win two races on the Breeders' Cup card, uh, that, that's quite significant. So um, in, in the trainer category, uh, I'm going to go with Aiden O'Brien. I could see a gift coming the gent's way, and his son Joseph, uh, not too bad, winning the Breeders' Cup turf, uh, listening to dear old dad. He's, uh, he's on my list as well, John. Uh, yes, he is. As a matter of fact, I'll just segue right into the jockey. It's funny you'd say that. Now, again, I'm not being a you know, homer for the Emerald Isle, but I was there that day when Joseph O'Brien uh, won for his father aboard St. Nicholas Abbey in the uh, Breeders' Cup turf. And to see the glean in this kid's eye when he was up talking to the media. First of all, I don't believe there's been any 18-year-olds that have won Breeders' Cup races. And sad to say, he, he already towers over his father. It, it might be his, his only moment in the international spotlight. He'll probably end up being a jump rider over in Europe, which over there, of course, is a very respectful uh, profession. But the, the, the kid's growing, you know, day by day. So, his, his future as a thoroughbred jockey is very limited, and for him to win a million-dollar race for his dad, it was just something special. So I'm going to tell you what, uh, I think, uh, well, I can't flip him a bottle of Baileys. He's only 18, but uh, I'll, I'll give him maybe a nice Irish sweater will be under the tree. 
That's fair. I I, I can say that the the lad uh, shows so much promise, and, and John, I do hope he stays around body wise, but is so demanding on a rider. But pound for pound, from my bucks, that's going to be Ramon Dominguez. He is a perfect example of hard work and skill coming together in the right harmonic way. There, he leads the nation in earnings. He's second in wins, only to the great Deshaun Parker from Mountaineer Park. This guy is a heavyweight champ. Dominguez, I don't care where the big money's at, you'll see him riding. Oh, absolutely. And he's, he is so on fire right now. I mean, again, he flew all the way out to ride the cash call, uh, took the red eye back, and, and, and then won the Dania uh, down, at, down at Gulfstream. So he, he's, he's really in demand right now, but he was tearing him up in New York, and I, he's going to tear him up wherever he goes. And, and the, the other great thing is he's a class act. In fact, he, and, and I had the opportunity to have him on as a guest to doing what you love right now. And, and I'll tell you what, he was a total gentleman. John, he, he, far and away, I, I'm a Dominguez fan all the way. I, I drank the Kool-Aid. Um, I don't know if you went into uh, to, to ownership. Are any owners going to get a little something special from you, or would you pass on that? Actually, I'm really excited about somebody local here in northern Kentucky. Where oh, I'm he's going to get a lot of presents. <laughs> Dr. Kendall Hansen, he has two horses in his his uh, his barn. One's Tapana, who won the other day in a nice allowance race at Turnpoint Park. The other one is Hansen, named after him, and he's got family, friends. He's kissing the ground. He's bringing fun back to the game. Absolutely, said he. I looked over my shoulder again. I got that Dr. Kendall Hansen down there. Of course, we had some personal contact with him over the years. Uh, he never had a problem racing at smaller tracks like River Downs and, and Turfway Park, if you want to call it smaller. Uh, now, of course, he used to pop up at Keeneland every now and then. But this is kind of neat, and I really hope uh, that the uh, the East Coast bias doesn't cause him to miss uh, getting two-year-old of the year. The bottom line is, just like Blame and Zenyatta, they met out on the track in the Breeders' Cup. It's, you know, hooves, hooves to the ground, who won the race? You know, there was a full field that had a shot at him at the quarter pole. Mm-hmm. You saw how many horses were within two, three lengths of him, and, and Hanson did not stop. So I think he deserves two-year-old of the year. I concur. He's bringing so much energy back. He's a son of Tappet. John, you know that he can transfer. He's already shown from the poly to the dirt, and he's won a good old Churchill Downs, and I believe that's where the first Saturday May is held. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do hold the Kentucky Derby there. Every year. I, I, I don't think management down there has decided to change that race. Thank unless, they, unless they price it out of there where nobody can come. Turn it into a claiming race. Okay. Well, how about how much, you know, let's go down the shed row. What, what, what horse is, is going to get a, a bag full of sugar cubes and, and, and carrots and maybe a Guinness from Steady Eddie? What? Maybe just not a horse. Maybe a nice, beautiful lady by the name of Harvard of Grace. And how she gave her all, beating the boys in the Woodward. The Zenyatta comparison came. I, I, you know, that's fine. They're two separate animals. Harvard of Grace actually just captivated. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy watching her, uh, and I'll still love. I hope that I still love watching her and her little ones in years to come. But uh, Harvard of Grace gets my money. Well, me, I'm going to put on my blue shirt and pop uh, a beer with Rapid Redo. I know that he's a blue-collar horse and, uh, you know, is not going to get any uh, Horse of the Year votes, but uh, any horse that can reel the winds off uh, like he has and pass horses like Citation, I know that it's not at a stakes-level quality, but just to hold yourself together. And I watched some of his races, and believe me, Ed, they, they sent horses out with him early and they sent horses at him late and, and in several of those contests. 
and he was able to turn them all back. Uh, I almost uh, I hate to see him leave the racing scene, but if they retired him off this series of races, I think it would be pretty cool. And then they ought to just bring him around from track to track. He's a working man's hero, and I think he deserves that big old basket of carrots. You know, it's about time the working man wins around. Can't can't squabble with that one. Well, you know, we've been awful kind to the people we've mentioned so far. Is there anybody that's maybe just like a racing personality that, that you might want to get a little gift for? You know, I'd like to give somebody a little lump of coal, if I may, real quick. Sure, heck yeah, it's Christmas. He only goes by the name of Richard Dutrow. The oh, guy's got yeah. talent, but he's blaming everyone from soup to nuts on all of his problems. They, they're giving him a suspension, violation, needles in his barn. He blames everybody. Then he, he gets my coal, Dutrow. He gets your call. Well, I, I think the person that's going to get my call is either Naira for this $8.6 million snafu that they took out of the betters' pockets, which obviously people are going to benefit now, but uh, I hate to be the guy that cashed a big bet on a pick six or a pick three in the last 15 months that didn't get what was coming to him. And uh, I may also put uh, a lump of coal in all these people that say that uh, racing should have no problem surviving without Lasix, because if they try to force that down racing's throat, you think we got small fields now? They'll be running match races at most tracks. That is my number two, and Mr. Frank Stronic, a.k.a. Hannibal Lecter, he's, he's, he tried to phase it out too quickly. Maybe they may be some merit to that. You would know better than any as a horseman, but, John, I think it just takes time. Well, either way, Gad, it's been a great, great Christmas party with you. I'm going to chug down one more of these eggnogs and put a little something special in it, and it's starting to feel pretty good right here. But uh, uh, best uh, Christmas wishes uh, to the entire Ed Meyer family, and say hello to the whole crew down at Keeneland for me, will you? I sure will, John, and I'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and let you know publicly, because I say it privately enough, well, sort of, it is an honor to call you friend. All right. Well, uh, the feeling's mutual, and I'm going to be stopping by your office with a little gift tomorrow, Steady Eddie. Sounds good. All right. Ed Meyer, ladies and gentlemen, top handicapper, and better than that, a very top in individual. Well, uh, next week we're going to have a Ray Pollock of the Pollock Reports uh, going to be with us, and I want to thank uh, Claire Novak in addition to Ed Meyer for being with us tonight. I also want to thank uh, Matt Widener, our producer, for all the great work he's done with that, uh, keeping me in line throughout these shows and making sure I don't go over and that all our guests are on on time. So uh, for WinningPonies.com, I'm John Engelhart. I want to wish each and every every one of you uh, a very merry christmas uh have a have a safe time and again we'll be back next week we're going to do our year in review and uh take a look at 2011 and what it gave us and we'll have some stakes races to handicap too so from me to you remember bet with your head not over it and merry christmas Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.